Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Brady. Welcome to Transformation Church, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We're diving into part three of our sermon series, Nehemiah. Before we get into the sermon, we'd like to take a few minutes and tell you about some things coming up for you and your family around Transformation Church. So check this out. Today, we're holding water baptisms, and if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, this is your next step. So stick around after our 11 a.m. worship experience for our water baptism service. We'd love to come alongside you as you make this decision. We want to give you an opportunity to show your love for your church through serving. I Love My Church is a chance for you to come on out and show your love for TC through cleaning, organizing, and refreshing our campus. We'll be holding this event on Saturday, October 1st from 8.30 a.m. till 12 p.m. You can sign up through tc.live events to get involved. First Wednesday is coming up on Wednesday, October 5th, and we'll be coming together at 7 p.m. every first Wednesday of the month for worship and prayer. Join us for our first Wednesday service on Wednesday, October 5th at 7 p.m. It's that time of year again. Trunk or Treat is on Monday, October 31st, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. We're collecting candy donations all through the week, and we're looking for transformers to host trunks. The brochure you received on the way in has everything you need to know about how to get involved, and you can find even more information at tc.live slash trunk or treat. We can't wait to see you there. Once again, we'd like to thank you all for being here today and tuning in online this weekend. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, or if you just want to find out more about the church, be sure to connect with us at tc.live via our TC app and or sign up for our weekly email newsletter to stay up to date with everything happening here. We hope you have a great day and an awesome week. With you today. What I've been teaching these past couple weeks is that a broken heart is the catalyst to rebuild what's broken. When you look at what's your life, when you look at what's broken in your world, when you look at what's broken in your personal life, maybe it's your spiritual life, maybe it's your relationship, whatever, we can go down the list. Whatever's broken, if it's going to be rebuilt, it starts with passion. It starts with a broken heart. As we look at our church, that that we need to start rebuilding our church after we're coming out of the pandemic, post-pandemic. We're not the same church. We're a church with a limp, and that's, that's not just our church. It's churches all over the country. Churches all over. Thousands of churches closed. Thousands of pastors quit, just to let you know. 68% of pastors are contemplating quitting the ministry um, because it's just too challenging. It's just the time and age we live in. As we look at our church, we've got to have a passion. Can I preach like I want to preach this morning? I didn't care if you came ready or not to hear the word of God. I, I came ready to preach. I don't know if you came ready to listen, but I came ready to preach because I got something to tell you today, church. You got to have a passion. You got to have a heart. You got to care. You got to care about God's house. Let me ask you a question. If you had a leak in your roof, would you care? If you ran out of water, would you care? If a window broke, would you care? What would you do? So let me ask you this. If there was a leaky roof in the church, would you care? If there were broken windows, I'm not talking physical now. I'm talking spiritual. Come on, church. Would you care enough to have passion for God's house? 
Jesus said the zeal of God's house consumed him. The zeal, the passion, the heart. And if anything, what COVID did is that it made us care a little less for God's house. It made it an option. I'm going to work you today, Connor. Make sure you stay focused on me, Connor. You're doing a great job, Connor. It's awesome to see young people serving. Awesome. <laughs> Got to care. All right. How are we going to rebuild TC? We got to have a cat. We have to have a broken heart. That's why I've asked you to pray for 52 days. God, break my heart with what breaks yours. Break my heart with what breaks yours because this is the heart of it. Um, if we're going to rebuild what's broken, we have to care the most. We have to care the most. All right, that's my intro. Is that good? Y'all had enough? Too heavy? Too heavy? Need a little lighter? All right, let's get the happy, comfy, comfy Pastor Joe back. So today, in today's message, everyone, we are going to talk about, in today's sermon, how to deal with haters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Today's message entitled, How to Deal with Haters. How to Deal with Haters. So, so let's go to Nehemiah over the next. So Nehemiah has a, a passion. He, he was called because he cared. He had a heart. He didn't have the skill, but he had the passion. He wasn't a builder. He was a cupbearer. He just drank wine for a living. He took care of the king. He wasn't a builder, but he cared about the city. So, so he sat on the report from his family about the condition of the city walls. They were broken down for 140 years. Okay, y'all with me? He sits with this for four months, goes to the king. The king says, why do you look so sad? And by the way, how do you know you have a burden from the Lord? It doesn't come and go. It comes and stays. And it stays with you over time. Because we could easily be inspired to do something great, but how many know the inspiration just kind of goes away? Inspiration just kind of just dissipates. But when you truly have a burden from God to change the world, that burden will stay with you until the burden carries you to action. Y'all with me today? Come on, church. Y'all with me today? So remember, you have a burden, but then over time, the burden will begin to, you carry the burden, then over the time, the burden carries you. Let me say it to this way. You have a vision, but eventually over time, the vision carries you to action. So he goes to the king. He tells the king, this is my, he says, why you're so sad? The king tells him, because this is, because this is my vision. This is my burden. This is my vision. So he allows him to go to the Jerusalem. And this is probably, he arrives to Jerusalem. By the way, did you know that it's a thousand miles from Persia to Jerusalem? It would have taken him about four months to go, to walk, or to ride a horse from Persia to Jerusalem. That's commitment. We, we, we're in a quick fix world, fixer-upper world. Like on Monday, you get the fixer-upper. On Friday, you get the reveal. 
but it took four months for the vision to be written on his heart. And then he had another four months of carrying the vision and allowing the vision to carry him to the city of Jerusalem. And when he arrives, this is probably what it looked like. It looked like this, a simple picture. Broken walls that were on fire, that were, 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 were burned down. 140 years. That represented hopelessness. It represented despair. It represented the brokenness of their spiritual life. It represented the brokenness of their personal. It re represented their broken relationship with God. Because any city during this time, any nation needed walls to protect them from any attacks of the enemy. It actually established them as an entity, as a country, as a nation. So they needed walls. The walls were very important during this period of time. But the symbolism of this wall is that this represented the brokenness of their lives and the brokenness of their relationship with God, the brokenness of their hope, the brokenness of their dreams, the brokenness of their future, the brokenness of, of, of what they hoped for. And as they looked at those walls decade after decade after decade, I wonder how many of them would have thought, God, you have forgotten me. God, where are you? God, are you with me? God, do you care? God, what are you going to do? God, do a new thing. Or maybe it's going to be like this forever. That's where some of you are at today. You're at a point in time where you're thinking maybe it's going to be like this forever. But I'm here to tell you and I'm here to encourage you today. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your faith. Because God is in the business of rebuilding and God is in the business of restoring and God is in the business of making all things new. Come on, church. He's in the business. Woo. He just wants to do it. So he puts this burden. He arrives to the wall. Then, then he takes his burden and he shares it with the people. And this is what he says. Recap. He says, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Then he says, come let us rebuild. In other words, I can't do it alone. I need your help. I need your help. We say this throughout our, 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 our staff. Teamwork makes the dream work requires a team. And, and can I be honest with you, we, we kind of, in this culture, when it comes to church, we often think that church happens with professionals, paid professionals, and that we just come to receive. But that's just Western culture ideology. We don't go to church. We, we are the church, we are, we're a family. And we're not consumers, we're called to be givers, contributors. We're called to be a part. In other words, you're blessed to be a blessing. Does that sound more spiritual? And that's, that's really what Nehemiah was telling them. I can't do this alone, but we can do it together. Let's rebuild. So, we, so in that moment in time, Hope was rekindled in their spirits. Hope was rekindled in their hearts. Hope was birthed. Hope came alive within them and in their spirit and their soul that somebody had a vision from God. Whenever God wants to do something great, he sends a person. He sends a man. He sends a woman. He sends someone with a passion. Somebody was waiting for somebody to come with a passion. And he came. His name was Nehemiah. He says, this is what's going on. Then, th then this is what's happening. But let me just encourage you. He told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. 
And they replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Isn't that beautiful? Think about the cheer. Think about the gathering of the people. Think about the hope that came alive. Yes! Let's rebuild the walls. Let's rebuild what's broken. And the moment they decided to do something great for God is the moment that you decide to pick a fight with the devil. You ever pick a fight with the devil? Because the moment they declared and they came together believing in the vision to rebuild, look at what happens next in verse 19. The haters come out. But when Sanballat the Horonite or the Horribleite and Tobiah, the Ammonite official and Geshem, they all came. The Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Look at this. The moment they make a decision to do something great for God is the moment that they faced opposition. And I came to tell you today, if anything, I came to tell you this, that anytime you step out in faith to do something great for God, get ready because the enemy will step in like a flood. The enemy will step in like a flood. There's something you have to understand today that we all have an enemy. The scriptures tell us in 1 Peter that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the devil is dead set to oppose anything and anyone who desires to follow Christ and who desires to build his kingdom. When you decided to do something for God, the enemy will work over time, he will work like hell to knock you down and to knock you out. He'll try to intimidate you. He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to send you text messages and emails. He'll send people your way to discourage you. If not, he'll send you and he'll make you busy. He'll make you distracted. He'll make you tired. He'll make you unfocused. That's why you're dealing with what you're dealing with today. That's why you're facing what you're facing today. Because the moment you decided to serve, the moment you decided to worship, the moment you decided to get baptized, the moment you decided to come to church, the moment you decided to build God's kingdom is the moment that you have an X on your back, is the moment that the enemy will come in like a flood and oppose you and oppose everything that you're trying to do for God. Let's say the moment you start to saying, you know what, I'm going to go to church regularly. The enemy will attack you with busyness. What does it look like when the enemy attacks? He'll attack you with busyness. Let's say the moment you make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. The enemy will attack you with discouragement. Is it worth doing? Is, is this all worth it? The moment you decide to give financially is the moment you'll face financial challenges. You'll be attacked financially. 
The moment you start serving, you'll get struck with that spirit of fatigue. I'm just so tired. It's true. Let's say you have that moment that you're going to start having personal prayer and say, you know, I'm going to take time to sit in silence with Jesus. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to pray, Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. Guess what? You will be attacked by the conspiracy of distractions. Y'all don't realize it, but most of the battles you're facing are spiritual. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. Spiritual. Spiritual attacks. Spiritual attacks. Let's say you want to start a ministry or do something great for God, then the enemy will attack you with insecurity. Hey, listen. You will fight great battles before you start doing anything great for God. <laughs> and you're hitting, sitting here today saying, well, pastor, I'm not really going through much. I'll just tell you, maybe you're not doing much for God. Ain't that the truth, Pastor? Y'all don't have to say a word. Y'all can sit quiet. I don't care. I don't care. It's true. Because anything moving forward will always face resistance. Anything. If you're in your comfy life, You may not have many problems, but the moment you decide, I want to do something great for God, the moment you decide I'm going to step out of faith is the moment that the enemy will step in like a flood. I'm talking to those who are serving. I'm talking to those who are giving. I'm talking to those who are praying. I'm talking to those who, who are in the fight. I'm talking about those who are standing up for Jesus at work and standing up for Jesus in their community. You will be opposed. So here in this passage, Nehemiah shows us how to handle haters. Because haters will come our way. Haters come in the form of discouragement. Sometimes they, the voices of haters are often in our minds. The words of discouragement, the words of insecurity, the words of despair. But oftentimes, haters will be vocal in your life. And they'll say something like, well, you might bring a dream to them. You might bring a desire. You might bring a, something you want to accomplish for God. And they'll go, why, what, why are you going to do that for? Like, why, why are you going to? You know, that takes a lot of money. You know, that takes a lot of time. You know, what, what? You're going to start giving 10% of your income to the church? What? Why are you doing that for? The economy's rough. What? You're going to be a leader? What? You want to help people in need? What? You want to help others who, teens? You want to help teens who, who have problems? Why are you going to do that for? And then the enemy will come into your mind and say, you can't do that. You don't have gifts. You don't have talents. You don't have abilities. You don't have time.
the moment you make a decision to do anything for God is the moment you pick a fight with the devil. I almost named this sermon Pick a Fight with the Devil or How to Pick a Fight with the Devil. So how did Nehemiah respond to the fight that he was in? Nehemiah 2.20, he says this. He answered them by saying this. <laughs> the God of heaven will give us success. In other words, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. You see, just remember that, that the enemy imitates Christ. The enemy is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the enemy comes in like a roaring lion. In other words, he's all talk. He's all roar, but doesn't have much bite. And Nehemiah knows this. He says, you know what? When, when haters come my way, God is going to give me success. So he, he is servants. They start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. So they begin to get to work. They get to work. They get to work. They kind of move past the criticism. They move past the emails. They move past the text messages the words, and they start building brick by brick. They didn't allow the haters to keep them from moving forward. They continued to build. And I love where they started. They started with the sheep gate. Here's a picture of the sheep gate today that was built. This is the modern day sheep gate. This is the sheep gate in Jerusalem. Um, they started, by the way, this is, this is a true story. The wall still there. All right, just to let you know, that's the sheep gate. You can go there. You can visit the sheep gate. So the sheep gate, the sheep gate is exactly what it was. The sheep gate, it was where the sheep came in. But what's the significance of sheep? Well, it was an act of worship which symbolized salvation. It's where they offered the firstborn lambs as a sacrifice of their sins. Nehemiah immediately restored the spiritual life of Jerusalem by rebuilding the sheep gate. And what's really incredible is that this is the gate that Jesus walked out of to the mountain called Golgotha. It's the only way to Golgotha. Gosh, he walked through the sheep gate because he was the perfect lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen, but that's okay today. That's okay. That's okay. That's the gate that Jesus walked through. The sheep gate. It's remarkable. So they continue to rebuild. They built the sheep gate and then the fish gates where they brought all the fish and, and the fishermen, the old gate, the valley gate, the dung gate. That's exactly what that was about. The fountain gate, the horse gate, the east gate, the, the different gates for different purposes. But what's really remarkable is that people had no skill were building gates and walls. They were not builders. You had Levites, you had people who specialized in perfumes and different things, but they all came together to do something great for God. And God did not call them because they were qualified. God qualified them because they were called. 
and he built the walls and they laid the beams and used the bolts and the bars. They didn't have professional contractors. They were ordinary people. Everyone gets involved. Families get involved. They didn't have skill, but they had heart. They didn't have professional skills, but they had passion. Now just imagine 140 years of hopelessness, despair. God's people begin to build the walls and hope begins rising up out of the ashes. Sort of like what happened at the halfway mark at the World Trade Center. Halfway. This is the halfway point. Hope. Isn't that a beautiful sight? After the devastation and the loss and the ashes that were there, now this was about the halfway mark of about 15 years ago, whatever it was. And this is what begins to happen. The walls begin to be rebuilt. The gates begin to go up. And at the halfway point, guess what happens? When Sam Ballard heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became. <laughs> you don't want to know what I just thought. He became angry. He was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. You want to pick a fight with the devil, do, attempt to do something great with God. But remember, every time you step out in faith, and decide to lead your family into the things of God. Decide to follow God's plan and purpose for your life. Whenever you decide to follow your destiny, just know that the enemy's going to get angry and, and upset. He'll get angry and he'll try to kill the baby before the baby's even born. He'll try to kill the baby as, at the infancy stage. Why else do you think that King Herod sent a decree to kill all the children? Why else did you think that, that, Nebuch, um, that, that Pharaoh sent the word to kill all the babies the moment Moses was born. The devil specializes in trying to kill the visions and the dreams and the babies that are being born before they move into full maturity. That's why when you decide to do something great for God, you will face incredible challenges, especially in the infancy stage. When you start to rebuild your life, the devil will be mad. When you start to rebuild your marriage, the devil will be mad. When you start to rebuild your church, the devil will be mad. When you start to rebuild... Things, broken places and spaces in your life. The devil's going to be mad. He's going to be mad as hell. And he ridiculed the Jews. He was incensed. And in the presence of his associates, the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will, will, they, will they restore their wall? Why are you doing this? Will you restore your life? Will you, why, are you going to, why, why are you going to AA meetings? Why, why are you going to celebrate recovery? Why are you going to counseling? Why, why are you trying to fix your life? Why are you doing Dave Ramsey? It's not going to work. Who do you think you are? You can't do what God has put in your heart to do. Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And Tobiah, who just annoys me, the Ammonite who was at his side said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Ooh, I can't stand that guy, right? Who do you think you are? 
I just came and touched. Is there anybody facing opposition today? Is there anybody in a spiritual battle? Is there anybody going through some stuff? Is there anybody going through some challenges? Is there anybody going through some setbacks? Is anybody experiencing the weight of spiritual attack? Is there anybody here today that's facing adversity like you've never faced before? That the moment you've decided to move forward in faith is the moment you decide to pick a fight with the devil and it feels like all hell broke loose? That's why so many of you stopped coming to church and that's why some of you aren't getting baptized and that's why some of you are, are, are not following Jesus because you thought following Jesus will mean, would actually mean a cakewalk. But I came to tell you the moment you made a decision to follow Jesus and go water baptized is the moment you decided to pick a fight with the devil. Pastor Ruth and I, I tell you, we've experienced some challenges on a regular basis. People leave us reviews. Most recently, I love this one. We're a new age church. I don't preach from the Bible. So this person posted all over social media. This church is a new age church. We don't preach from the Bible. She's right. I preach from my iPad. <laughs> the word I just, uh, the word I have. People that don't know us send us emails telling us how bad we are. I've never met a woman in my life. Don't know anything about this woman. Oh, we're just like all the other pastors who don't care. We're this, we're that, my old church, my old church, my old church, my old church, and guess what she's doing? She's projecting all her old wounds to this guy and this pastor. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't know your old pastor. Don't blame me. So that's how it is, right? Hurt people hurt people. It's just true, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's constant sometimes, attacks. And it's not just through verbal, through text messages and emails, it's not through those ways. Oftentimes, it's a spirit that comes upon you as well, a spirit of oppression, like a heavy spirit. And there are times I, I could just, I, I, I just, even my wife last night just saying, just, just whispered to me this morning because I was out the door by 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. My wife just whispered to me, honey, last night I was doing spiritual warfare and battle in my spirit in my sleep. And we could look around at our lives and listen to the critics and listen to the emails and listen to the text messages and then walk around with depression thinking that we're doing something wrong. But I just came to tell you that opposition doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong. It actually means you're doing something right. Hello? So thank you very much for sending that online. Thank you so much for sending me the email. Thank you so much for letting me know how bad of a job I'm doing because you've actually confirmed the calling on my life, that God has a plan, that God has a purpose, that God is using me to fulfill my divine destiny, that I am making a difference, that I am touching the world, that I am making progress, that I am taking ground, that no weapon formed against me will prosper, that I am moving into my divine destiny. Keep sending me the emails. If you want to send me an email, I'll leave you the address. 
real quick. If you write it down, pull out your phones. It's called I Don't Care at TC.Live. Because I don't. You say, well, pastor, that's a little bit prideful. No, I've got people in my life that I allow to speak to me and give me feedback. See, the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And if you don't want to fight, then don't get into the game. I don't know if I could do this for second service. Can you just show the video? Because I don't know if I could replicate this sermon today. Y'all with me still? All right. So, oh, shoot. It's already, I'm already late. All right. Let's, let's just kind of give me some, give you some quick tools to come away with. So, so how do you deal with haters? How do you deal with them? And this is, the, this is a, a very important for you to understand. When people come against you, when people are critical of you, when people speak negativity of you, when the enemy comes against you, what do you do? Well, you post it on social media. That's what you do. You just, you just, you just call them out and name them by name, and you just splatter it and throw up on social media. No, that's what haters do. You know what you do? You talk about them, but you talk about them to God in prayer. And that's what they did. That's what Nehemiah did. He said, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their in. I love this. By the way, this is BC. This is before Christ came and said, love your enemy. Pray for those who mistreat you. I love it. I wish we were back at these times. This is Nehemiah. Turn their insults on back on their own heads. Give them over as the plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. What was he saying? In other words, God, fight my battles. What do you do when people come against you? They hate you. They speak ill against you. They gossip about you. They discourage you. They doubt you. This is what you do. You take it to God in prayer. You don't reply. You don't answer. You don't have to defend yourself. God does that. God will defend you. Why? Because the gracious hand of God is on you. So, so number one is take them to the Lord in prayer. Take your discouragement. Take your, take your insecurities. Take what you're feeling. Take the attacks. Take everything before the Lord. And secondly is this. Stay focused on your purpose. Stay focused. I should have said on your mission. That sounds better. Stay focused on your purpose. Stay focused on your mission. Because the enemy wants you to quit. Give up. Walk out. Throw in the towel. Stay focused on their purpose. So they brought their request to God and notice what they did. They rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people. What? Worked with what? All of their heart. 
Really important spiritual here. Man, I'm preaching so good today. Pray like, it, like everything depends on God and work like everything depends on you. Oh, man. Pray. But work. Work and pray. Those walls did not go up by just prayer alone. They had to work. These walls will not be rebuilt unless we work. Ministry is work. Serving the Lord is work. It's hard work. It's not only physical work. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's mental. It's in every capacity. Why? Because when you decide to step out in faith, remember the enemy will step in like a flood. And he'll discourage you. And the battle continues. I don't have time to read the rest. The battle continues. And, and they go back and forth. Sam Ballot's there. I mean, I got all the verses here. They all plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem. They stirred up trouble. They, they caused gossip. They got people behind the scenes. And then in verse 10, it says, the people began to get discouraged, that their strength began to give out because it became too much. They grew discouraged. And that's what can happen over time when you're in a fight. When you're trying to rebuild, you can be discouraged over time. You might step back and think, there's just too much work. There's too much to do. There's just too much to rebuild. There's just too much going on. And then the enemies came and said, before you know it or see us, we will be right there among them. We're going to kill them. <laughs> they were under like this serious attack. But what did Nehemiah do? I love it. He says, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at exposed places, posting them by families with their sword, with their spears, and with their bows. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah? Well, we're going to fight. And then I love this. He goes, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And what, church? Fight. Fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What do you do when you're in the battle, when the haters are coming out, when you're getting discouraged, when you're getting tired, when it feels like it's too much? You remember who God is, and you fight. You fight. We got to fight for families. We got to fight for the youth of this church. We got to fight for the youth of this community. We got to fight for the children. We got to fight for marriages. We got to fight for the future of this of this church. We've got to fight. But when you fight, just remember that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You have you have Holy Ghost power within you. And when you fight, you fight with the weapon of prayer. And you fight. You don't fight these battles in the flesh. You don't fight these battles using carnal weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and every high thing 
that raises itself up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you fight, you use the weapon of prayer. And when you fight, you use the weapon of faith. And when you fight, you use the weapon of scripture. And when you fight, you use the sword of the spirit. And you pray, and you rebuke, and you declare, and you remember, and you take authority over every power and principality of darkness. And you declare the high things of God. And you believe, and you declare that my family will be whole, that my future will be whole, that my children will be whole. You declare and you fight for your children. You fight for your family. You fight for your future. You fight for your church. You fight for your community. You fight and you don't give up. You fight until there's breakthrough because your biggest battle will come right before your biggest breakthrough. Somebody give God some praise in this house today. question for you today is this, who are you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? Church, don't quit. Stay lit and keep fighting. Fight for your future. Fight for your eternal destiny. If you're a father in this room, you're not fighting just for your family. You're fighting for your children and your children's children and your children's children, children. You're fighting for generations. You're fighting not just for this church and for those who are coming to this church. You're fighting for the people who will be coming to this church in 2045, in 2055, in 2065. You are fighting for the spiritual foundation of this house. You're fighting the, the you're fighting for the spiritual future of this city. You're fighting. Fight. Fight. Stop being a wimpy Christian and fight. You've been given authority by the Holy Spirit of God to fight. I'm out of time. Y'all been great. But man, fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your future. Fight for this house. Fight for your house. Fight for your wife and fight for your husband and fight for your marriage. Fight for the city. Fight. 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 Who are you fighting for? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we choose today to fight, not with material possessions or, or with, with carnal weapons, but with spiritual weapons. Lord, we fight for our children. Lord, we fight and we pray against every power and principality of darkness that is seeking to devour our young people. We pray over this young lady today in the name of Jesus, and we fight in prayer. Devil, the blood of Jesus is against you. We fight in prayer. We fight declaring the truth of your word, that this young lady is a child of God, that you, your hand is upon her life, that no weapon formed against her is going to prosper. We fight in Jesus' name for her soul. We fight for her life. We pray in Jesus' name for the future of this church. We pray for the future of this community. We pray in Jesus' name that we would continue to rebuild, that we would continue to establish a church here that would reach people far from God and lead them into a transforming relationship with Jesus.
Lord, we fight, we battle, we pray. We thank you for your blessing here today. We thank you for your love and your goodness and your grace and your strength. Thank you, Lord, for the strength to fight. Thank you for the strength to get through what we're going through. And we are careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody together said amen.